Welcome to the Tone Jerks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gower, and with me today, a little different. Kyle's not here, so don't don't shut off the shut off your devices just yet. I have a guest co-host uh, from the very second episode, episode two. So now he's back. Episode 89. Nice. <laughs> it, it, took, it took us that long to get him to come back. <laughs> and, uh, buddy, BJ Desbera, local musician, a good buddy of mine. Uh, been friends for... For a while. <laughs> Hello, Tone Jerks. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Uh, you have done an episode uh, just for our Patreon people. So it was like maybe a month, eh, maybe several, maybe a year ago. You you did like a catch up, what's new with you, and we did uh, stuff like that. But I figure uh, we should uh, get you on the main episode. Yeah. Feed here. You've been on my podcast too, which, yes. you know, is only really for the YouTube algorithm bots, but. Yeah. So. <laughs> so um, as most people, if you haven't gone back to listen to those, that first episode, um, it's a, it's a good one. It was actually, um, rough mainly on my part. Cause I didn't really know how to host or talk to anybody on mic. I was like, Oh geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was starstruck. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, we had mentioned in that episode, BJ is kind of one of the reasons why I started a podcast of my own. He, uh, a friends have inspired, you know, inspired me to be like, Hey, you should do it. You should do it. And BJ was like, well, I'll kind of just have you on my show and his words of advice are just to do it put it out who cares who listens to it and you do whatever you want and you'll learn along the way and so good or bad uh he's very responsible for this tone jerks being a thing so enough of that um bj you uh are a local musician you uh play a lot of gigs you're a gigging musician that's actually your career that's actually what you do to bring home the bacon yep so uh we'll kind of touch a little bit on that but um yeah, how have you been? What's new? What's new in your world? What's shaking? What's grooving? New in the world. Well, uh, I think the way I do things, it's like I don't try to uh, to shake the tree too much. So I'm still doing a lot of regular gigs at a lot of the same places, Tipsy Crow, and I've added uh, Himmelbergs and a couple places down here in the South Bay as well. Yeah. But uh, I'm Downtown mainly... Downtown San Diego is kind of your... Yeah, I just try to keep it pretty regular. But what's new, I would say, is uh, I am continuing to work on uh, this upcoming album that's been, you know, kind of in the works for a few years now. But it's... Everybody always said it's been in the works for a few years, but if you're not physically working on it, I don't consider you working on it. So, like, you It's know, been paused. The thought yeah. process is yeah. not part of the work in yeah. my mind. So it's been on hold for a while, but I'm actually getting back into it, like, putting the work into it. I've got the ideas, and now I'm just trying to execute. So... Uh, been working a lot of recording, uh, with, uh, different studios and stuff and people, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. You have, uh, recorded with, uh, Sean Tolley. Correct. And so with, with him. A clarity good, recording. Good buddy of ours. He was on uh, a while ago, but yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool that, uh, local friends are helping everybody out and going to different studios and like, you know. It's nice that that's ability now. Cause remember when we started, like maybe four or five people you knew had recording stuff. Of those people, maybe one had the space to record like full band, yeah. and <laughs> that one guy usually did not have the ability, like, like uh, the technical savvy to record a full band. So it's oh, like they had like the yeah. stuff, but they didn't really know how to use it yet. Or so now everybody's kind of got it. Not and a, not as trustworthy. The ratios have yeah. evened out a little bit. More people have it, and more people know how to use it, which is nice. Yeah, but no, that's cool. He's also a good brain to pick. So if you have questions about recording and stuff like that, so no, that that's uh, it's good. So uh, besides. I mean, playing locally, I wanted to say you've been kind of doing that pretty regular, regularly <laughs> <laughs> from when, uh, episode two, it's like you were talking about like, oh, trying to get like, uh, more consistency in your gigs. And, but it seems like for you, you're doing many gigs a month, but it's like, it's kind of very sporadic and you, but you are becoming a regular at places, which it seems like you're kind of 
reaching for that goal that you had. Yeah, like I feel like the bread and butter stuff for me personally, I'm not like uh, trying to be the world's biggest punk band or anything. You know, yeah. I'm just trying to be a working musician. So I'm just trying to have a few spots that I can call home that'll be like the safety net. But I still continue to try adding new places all the time and out of San Diego, yeah, trying to get out. out and, yeah. You know, um, and you kind of have to do that because eventually bars close and eventually things change. So the more places you have kind of in your pocket and, you know, if you're not afraid of a little distance, like that's what's going on. So I think like with my booking stuff, I'm trying to reach a little bit more out of San Diego now that I've got a few regular San Diego places. But uh, yeah, just trying to keep it semi-regular is what I'm doing. Yeah. Is that, uh, are you finding it, it's easier, the fact that you have like, you know, spots that are, I don't know, that are regular that you're like, oh, I'm consistently playing here and out in this area. It gives me a little bit of a peace of mind for sure Does to it? have like uh, a spot that I know like, okay, I got four a month, you know? Yeah. Where it's not like I'm trying to book all my shows every time. Like sometimes if I like fuck around and don't book or if I, you know, just have a very unlucky month and haven't booked anything, like nobody responds or whatever, like I'll have somewhere to play and I'm going to eat this month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might just have to be some some ramen and uh, <laughs> yeah. the month. But um, you also like, I mean, what I was getting at is like uh, having spots that you're consistently playing and that you're like, oh, I'm out there doing it. And you're like, I'm getting these paid gigs. I'm here downtown at these bars i'm like why don't you book me at your bar it's like you kind of have a little bit more clout does that help or is it not really i mean agents, they it's, just like, it's oh, booking is booking bro. across the board and yeah. booking people typically just don't answer emails and don't care about the bands they're booking like yeah that's the fucking monster that we all have to you know worship i guess at and then, the altar or, of yeah. but or they'll book a show last minute and wonder how come nobody showed up the oh, only like, <laughs> i think the difference will be and i'm not at that level yet but i, I feel like if I get to that point, this is where I'll notice a difference when venues start reaching out to me, you know, yeah, like that's cool. when you start to see like, okay, booking is easy. Yeah. But like when you're still reaching out to bars and you're still reaching out to whatever, they don't care what bar you play at. They're like, well, we're better or we're different or yeah. they don't even know what that bar is. Like I, I put it in my booking email all the time. Like I am a, a resident musician at this place, this place. And if I send that to some place that's outside of San Diego, they're like, definitely not going to know that bar. But I could send that to the people that are neighbors to those bars. And they'd be like, Don't care. that place doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, that's uh, it's interesting because I'm not a, you know, a musician, work, working musician, working muso. I'm not one of those. I We play in our band once a month. We play, you know, originals and um that is a completely different market where people would be like, you'll be happy to get like hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. But you get a little bit more word of mouth, I think in the regular circuit and in the like band circuit, you yeah. know, with bands, it's always going to get people's attention a, cause they're loud, but B because like when people think of like live original music, they think of bands. They yeah. don't typically think of that acoustic guy playing in the corner of the bar Yeah, they're gonna because go those guys are all just, convoluting the fucking circuit with just no diggity and wagon wheel fucking on repeat. <laughs> yeah. So it gets, it's hard for a guy that wants to break into an original acoustic circuit in San Diego. Cause there's no, like, unless you're going to play the stats and uh, sorry to shit on the stats, but the uh, way you get booked there is not a road of easiness, especially if you're an already regular gigging musician and they tell you to play the open mic where it's a, fucking raffle to get in it's like yeah. I, i'm not gonna like go through so many hoops just for like a nothing gig so just for, yeah a gig that's yeah you could play in front of at tower bar in front of nobody if you wanted to yeah it's, so it's like you know you kind of have to shift your viewpoint a yeah bit acoustic it i would see would be really difficult because you gotta 
I don't know because it, it, it's much easier to book a band and get pay them forty dollars to to play in front of like hardly anybody. Or even if it's like a Friday, I'm like, hey, we'll give you guys a hundred bucks, and it's like you know eighty people at this bar, and we'll give you you know beers or whatever. Because most people would rather go out, you know, and say like, oh, see a lo- local band or whatever. But even though an acoustic artist could actually be better and actually works better for sometimes like some bars because like oh you can talk and order food and hang out and watch an acoustic band artist whereas you see like a heavy uh heavy punk band heavy rock band come in with their half stacks and shit like that <laughs> like cool i do you not- can't really do much else than listen yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah and also when you're playing you're you're hitting up different types of shows you're not going to go try and like book a show a paid gig at soda bar or casbah or something like that whereas like to me i'm like a place we always want to play is soda bar, Casbah, stuff like that, because it's like we're not going to get paid for it well, but there's going to be people there, right? And and I do actually, I do try to do those shows, and I have, I have actually played both of those places. Yeah, and but it's typically I'll mix up what I'm doing. I won't do the cover show there. Yeah, so that's why I have different forms of the band. I've got the solo acoustic thing. That's just kind of like the workhorse of what I yeah. do. But then if I'm going to play somewhere like the Casbah or whatever, I've got the full band with the electric guitar and full drums, or I've got the folk trio yeah. with the cajon and acoustic guitar still. But it just, it kind of fills out the room a little more. And the originals kind of take a different life when there's a band behind them. When the, with the with punk band. Because I record like them all with like backing music. It's not just like straight acoustic stuff. Yeah. So it's still like very like punk infused. Very band acoustic. mindset when you approach your music. But you can be like, okay. I can also take uh, this away and it's still stripped to be acoustic and vocals. Yeah. So it's like, oh, whatever hat I wear, it'll be a good one. <laughs> very stylish. Yeah, sometimes, very sometimes, stylish it, sometimes it sounds better full band and I admit that, but you know, it's just kind of like you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And, uh, and then people aren't listening anyway, so it doesn't matter what I'm yeah, doing. <laughs> your uh, full band is uh, with uh, Ivan. He's a, you know, very much uh, our our buddy Ivan. He's like been a guitarist for one of your old bands. He's drums for your band now and um, for the punk pop punk stuff and it's like he's a heavy hitting drummer so your songs definitely take a huge turn when you do a distorted electric guitar and add it heavy hitting drums i'm like yeah it's it's cool and then uh brian on bass yep yeah and then yeah it's 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 cool it's kind of cool to take like hear a song three different ways yeah and then with the folk show don't want to leave him out we got indy on cajon Mm -hmm. but uh yeah it's funny because everybody that plays in the bad mother folkers that's what i call them Mm -hmm. uh they're all way better guitar players than me but i don't let them play guitar (laughs) (laughs) like yeah yeah, my friend indy on the cajon he's the one that actually like got me into guitar he taught me like damn it like everybody's friend does and i got to play his electric guitar and fell in love with it from there ivan was the like first serious band that I played in where like the guitar player was fucking like just on point and like he was doing things that like I still I take those tricks and use them in my music today so like mm-hmm. a lot of what I do and a lot of my sound kind of comes from playing with him Brian uh he's you know been in several like metal bands and like uh mm-hmm. you know he's a little bit older than us so he's been in a, a different scene you know like when like the real like screamo post hardcore emo stuff was coming big. He yeah. was in that circuit. You know, oh, when it was doing coming up stuff. in San Diego, yeah. So he's got like real good guitar chops, but yeah, all three of them are really great instruments or instruments. <laughs> They're all really great uh, musicians with their instruments, but I make them play something completely different, which is hilarious to me. Well, you know, hey, you're 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 uh, you know the one uh, pulling the reins there. You want yeah. It's when your, people come and compliment me on my guitar in front of them, I'm like, please don't, don't tell me I'm good. <laughs> Stop. Like, They're gonna bring this up later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, I have a couple things that are for my uh, what's new. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Soundrise Pro. We uh, linked up with those guys, and they uh, sent us. Um, okay, so their their product that they have, uh, you check them out on Instagram, uh, Soundrise Pro, and they 
have these studio monitor stands for your desk. And one thing that's kind of cool for like a home studio, because most of us aren't going to have a huge room and tons of space to spread out and like get the air room, man, and like worry about your acoustics and da -da. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And so what I have, um, I have a bedroom set up. It's a very small desk. I think it's about uh, four feet wide, which is like, that's a good amount of space, but it's taking up. Uh, or it's taken up a lot of the space by a four space SKB rack, rolling rack that I have my interface in. I have power supply, XFX, and stuff like that. So, in case I need to pick that up and go somewhere, it's already like I don't have to like jumble a bunch of shit. But you make it sound so easy, but those things are like 100,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's like it's so, so much of the desk space is taken up. And so, I barely have any room for, you know, studio monitors. So, think of like, you know, I have HS5s from Yamaha right now. And so when you're recording and you're listening back to your mix and mix and stuff like that, you want your monitors about ear level and you kind of want them pointed at certain degrees pointed towards your ears. Cause like if you point them away, they're not, if they're aimed at your shoulders or they're aimed uh, at the ground or whatever at opposite walls, you're going to get reflections and stuff like that. Sympathetic notes and be like, Oh, a little different bass response. So I'll make it make super bass heavy. And then you listen back you know, on MP3 or whatever. And you're like, this is like all just because yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear any bass. So I was like, I, I was kind of struggling with my desk space and I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. And I was um, just scrolling through the gram Instagram and I saw these really cool speaker monitor stands. They're made in the U S they're out of uh, LA and it's such a simple design that I'm all like, it's brilliant. Oh my God. People, you can look at it and be like, I can make that. I'm like, are you going to make that? No. no. <laughs> um, so you, there, raise up your monitors about nine inches. So for me, that kind of worked out because of where I'm sitting at my desk and between using the uh, Samsung TV and my laptop for monitors and stuff like that, it's like kind of the perfect work area. It's like pointed right to my ears. And so I was researching them. Uh, we talked to, you know, back and forth and they sent Kyle and I a pair of these because he's also, he's, he uh, researched it and instantly fell in love with the idea because he has a similar situation with his um, computer build that he's doing. He's doing more of a synth setup and it's like monitors at the pro appropriate level and you get extra you make space. Make all the difference too. Yeah. And I kind of already uh, took advantage of it. Like BJ, you could probably see I have everything's stacked up underneath these speakers now it's all like oh i have my like preamps i have my different cloud activators and yeah which is nice because otherwise that stuff would all be in your hand space basically like looking at his setup like if that stuff was to come forward it would be replacing wherever a mouse might be or a keyboard <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. and, and so or they would have to be put away in the closet so every time i wanted to use uh you know hard drive or you know my di boxes or something like that i had to like like hook them back up and like okay cool i gotta put them away now but it's like anything that like prohibits workflow is just a pain in the ass you want to be able to just come in work and and i don't know about you but i like to display all my toys so like if i have like a cool new pedal or something i'm gonna like make sure that it's out on my desk like that way, I'm also more likely to use it. Because if it's put away, I'm definitely not going to be like, I want to go clean all this stuff up. Like, yeah. And, so, yeah. It's yes, nice to have it. So, I mean, these things are very fucking cool. So, um, check out soundrisepro.com. And you can use a promo code JERKS. You can get 15% off. Just for being a jerk. Oh, yeah. Just uh, check them out. I, I cannot post enough or, you know, talk enough about these because I'm going to post them in the group and we'll post them on, on the page. It's... 
is such a simple idea. And to me, like, I love the simple ideas that just fucking work. I'm like, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Goddamn genius. Because, okay, I mean, okay, my space is just very compact and it's pretty, it's not great but i you have to make it work what am i gonna do like like they also look pretty like sturdy that's the thing is like the when you when you get to see the pictures of them or you go check them out yourself you'll see that they're like a really like thin sleek design but it doesn't look like it's made out of like plastic that's gonna like eventually sag from the weight of your your monitors these are made out of metal right they are made out of metal and they um hold um most up to five inch speakers so if you have giant 10 inch or eight inch speakers they won't work for it so, I can't put my 15 watt bass amp on it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure uh, they're going to work on bigger ones, but these are perfect for like, cause most home studios and small garage spaces or whatever people are doing, you're not going to want a giant monitor set up anyways. Cause it's like, why? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would make a difference in a good direction. I think it would make probably worse. Yeah. It's like, you're not getting your, this room that we're in is pretty fucking small, but Anyways, it, it, they're great design. They sa- save your space, and then it gives them gets your monitors where they need to be. It gives you more space for preamps and anime figures and all that good stuff. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll post a picture in the link and check it out on Instagram. Soundrise Pro. It also looks like it's the perfect height to put tall cans underneath. Perfect. Oh my god! <laughs> we got, uh, one of those Modelo chalados yeah that's fits, right baby it fits right underneath oh my god <laughs> jesus christ bg that was perfect so all you tall cans that's a selling point right there <laughs> i mean when you're done throwing them in the air you put them underneath the sound pro <laughs> sound rise pro anyways uh besides that uh, for the studio i did get something another boring piece of gear i bought a um nothing is boring monster power uh power supply so it's like or like a power like you know conditioner um, for my recording setup. So it's Monster Power a Pro 2500. We have one of these in uh, Kyle's base amp uh, setup. So SPT3 is everything's plugged and uh, his tuner are all plugged into this uh, Monster uh, Power Pro 2500. Found it on Reverb for a really good price. Like I was like, eh, I could buy a Furman for like, you know, $300 or $200 or whatever. I'm like, hmm. That's a lot of chiladas. Yeah. <laughs> but I found one used because uh, I don't think Monster makes them anymore. And I really have had nothing but good uh, things to say. And we've played it. And it's really great, reliable power, you know, clean power, whatever. And because what I have running here, I, it's important to me, is the uh, Focusrite Claret and the XFX uh, 2. I don't want to be like, nah, just fuck it. If it, <laughs> if it surges and just blows up, back. No. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, it works for me. So I got one of these and I think it's kind of cool because it has cool lights on it and it shows you the voltage. I like lights. <laughs> so it changes. So we're at about 121 voltage here and it kind of goes between 121 gigawatts, <laughs> 121 volts. So that's kind of a boring thing for me. Um, but it ended up being cool. So that's a, then it, what's new for me, but let's, uh, go into one of the reasons why BJ's here. We're going to do it an acoustic playing on the air topic. We're going to go through some pedals and through some different DIs and we're going to hear the differences if there are any. All right. So through the power of editing, we are uh, into the uh, playing segment of the show. You guys don't know if this was recorded first or last or in the middle. Who knows? Six years ago, actually. Could have just not even announced it. But, uh, you know, BJ, you are predominantly an acoustic player. So when you are playing shows, you're either doing it like with like a, 
a duo, maybe um, sometimes you'll get a band together and you'll play electric and distortion um, in those. And you'll do covers, originals and stuff like that. But mostly it's you and your acoustic. So you'll um, roll up to a gig and it's, I mean, obviously you're going to bring your guitar, but what else are in your bag of tricks? So if you roll up and you kind of don't know what the setup is going to be like, what's your kind of, your I like go-to? a simple setup because I've learned through the years of many bands that the more stuff you have, the more likely it is to break. And then, more things to go wrong, yeah. Yeah, it's just more more delays during your set, and uh, I like to do just straight playthrough. I don't take breaks. I don't do any of that. So if I have stuff breaking on me, it kind of <laughs> slows things down. It's gonna gonna fuck up your mojo there. That is correct. So I do basically just a loop pedal, the Boss, uh, whatever this is, RC three, the very little one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the most basic one. I think the most basic one uh, is a little bit the RC two, I believe. Yeah, it's a little more simple than mine. Mine has the capability to record like ninety loops at once. Mm-hmm. But it also came preloaded with some uh, drum beats, cool, and some also like pre-recorded like instrumental loops, like little jazzy, uh, bluesy kind of stuff. You ever that bust that out all the like, time? Oh, yeah, when now. I was like, <laughs> when I was just barely starting to try and fill three-hour sets, I'd be like, all right, I'm just gonna play this jazz loop and go like over it with the guitar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm not that much of a soloist, so I've learned just to play more songs. Also, for that looper, I mean, it's a boss pedal, so they're pretty. Pretty much, for the most part, indestructible. So it kind of works out for a gig. You can kind of set that down. Has, you know, you're not going to be like. It's also not like going to break the bank. I mean, yeah, they're like a hundred something dollars, but there's some loopers that are go for. Yeah, this one was like two eighty. Okay. Oh well, shit, that is expensive. And then uh, <laughs> I think I got a package for it though. It was the looper and the power cable, and then it came with like a, like a cable or something. I just threw away. But it was a. Uh, it was like. To okay, damn. Okay, that that's kind of up there then. But I mean, Boss, are they pretty known for, um, I don't know, good pedals that last, and the fact that it also runs on a battery. That's really cool. So in case you're at a gig like we are set up right now, something was faulty with the power in my place, so we were able to run this, uh, looper pedal off a battery. So. And what was the uh, mechanism that we used? Might as well give them a shout out. Yeah, our um, we've mentioned it before, but uh. Bestronics, so uh, BTPA, uh, they have, you know, you just contact Brad and he'll make this for you. It's not on their website. I think he may have put it on there since it's like this battery adapter thing. Just get a nine volt and it will um, just plug, cap that off the at the end of the nine volt and plug it into your pedal and you can run external power. You're but the you only can... person I've seen with one of these and I heard about it through you, but you know, every time I see it, I'm like, I need to get one of these. <laughs> just throw one in your case and, and ca- you know, in case something happens, like where it's like, oh, this faulty power, this shitty power, but you still want to be able to run your looper. You don't want to like... Yeah, because oh, I'm gonna... the guy that brings six sets of strings. I bring a whole pack of batteries with me every time because like, I just know that those things are going to break or die, so I got to have them all. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we are... I, yeah, I kind of wanted to bring BJ on because he's an acoustic player and he does it... Like, I'll play acoustic every once in a while. Um, I haven't played a show in years, but I've seen you do it. Um, yeah, back in the day, and then recording, I don't do much. I'll maybe do like a couple like acoustic overdubs. So it's, I'm not a huge. You're just not sad enough. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like my acoustic, and it's it sounds great. But I'm just not really doing a whole lot in the band or playing, performing with it. But you do, and you record acoustic guitar. You out there playing, and I kind of wanted to do a, I don't know, like a pedal topic on acoustics as like when you would use pedals like why you would use them is it even worth a damn yeah, how you it? could use them because for me I, a lot of reasons i don't use pedals is just because i don't know 
what they are, what they do or whatever. And I don't want to spend the time to learn that stuff. But now that we got all your fun little toys out here, it'd be cool to kind of hear what the limitate or what not the limitations, but what the, uh, what the limits are with this thing, like how far we can take an acoustic guitar. I'm interested to see. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the way that we're recording this today, I'm doing uh, two tracks. I'm doing, uh, one with the two notes, uh, XLR out. So it's the two notes torpedo cab M. I have, uh, Impulse response from three sounds. So it's a Gibson uh, Hummingbird 15. So it's supposed to sound like, oh, it's a mic'd up uh, in a room acoustic. And then also just going into a DI, which most of the time you're playing venues, it's just going to be like plug into this and then XLR out into the soundboard. Yeah. If not, it just goes straight into the soundboard. Does So I could ask you this. Does that make a difference? I don't know. Normally, uh, most places want an xlr because that's the easiest to plug into a snake to go into their board it's the right level stuff like that so most of the time uh you're gonna they're going to plug into an xlr or sorry plug into a di box then go to an xlr we're gonna hear the difference in the sound between you know just the guitar into the di and then the um the two tones yeah the two notes <laughs> two t- <laughs> impulse response so it's i was trying it out and there is a Bit of difference, but not a whole lot. So you can tell if it's going to be worth it if you like, oh, I want to, you know, step up my acoustic sound at a gig, if it's going to be worth it or not. Or you'll be like, ah, fuck it. Nobody's going to give a shit. Anyways. So uh, we'll have you play through a little bit and then we'll do um, the DI with pedals. Cool. Okay. So here is uh, your, your acoustic guitar going into the DI. Uh, what kind of guitar are you? Are you? You playing? This is a Lag Tromatone, I believe, is the name of the uh, style. But yeah, Lag is the company, and it's a French company. Yeah, it's not too big. It has a cutaway. And it's a Grand like Auditorium, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the model number is T66ACE. So that just means acoustic cutaway electric. But nice. Uh, so kind of kind of works for you. you. You're digging it. Yeah. And so for shows, it's kind of like you know you have it all stickered up and stuff like that so you made it your guitar it's definitely like <laughs> the uh the guitar that i would like take photos with or using videos and stuff i do have other guitars that i guess are like i got a martin and a taylor too that those are the like, iconic sounds that everybody goes after and i understand why because they both have their benefits and stuff this one i would say in the term of like three tier quality it's probably number three but it i just, mean it, it, it's it, a representative of how i approach music anyway like you don't have to always be like the t- the the top but it also works for you, your yeah. shows. If you like, can make it work and you can make it your own, then I'd rather do that than have the same sound everybody else has. And then it's a workhorse too. You don't have to worry about it. Like, it's oh, definitely I take this out to a gig and you're been like, rained on. It's been dropped. It's been built, beer spilled on it and it still keeps kicking where a lot of those nice guitars, people would be crying at this point. Yeah. No, it sounds good. So that's just the DI. Nice. Nice. And then uh, we'll switch over to the two notes. Here we go. Sounds good. <laughs> to me, it sounds a little bit less uh, low endy. Like to me, it sounds. Well, it might be the headphones. To me, it sounds more. Yeah, it could definitely be these headphones. <laughs> I, I I gave you the shitty twenty dollar headphones. Like here, I want you to know what your guitar sounds like at the uh, yeah. PC speakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the, uh, yeah, eventually we'll uh, step up the. Uh, the second... real thing is for you listeners at home, what do you think? The Put se- it in the comments the, below. The second set of uh, headphones at the Tone Jerks. Uh, 
uh, lounge, we'll maybe get a, a better set. Yeah, but, if anybody out there listening makes headphones, please send these guys your best, <laughs> something brightest good. headphones because uh, they need them. But no, to me, okay, uh, maybe, maybe we'll switch headphones so you can hear the difference. I think it sounds really great. But honestly, both sound good, so... Um, my goal is to try and make it sound as close to just the natural guitar as I can, because why the hell would you buy an acoustic guitar and then try to make it sound like anything but the guitar that is in front of you, you know? So I got a lot of friends that use a lot of weird like effects and stuff on their on their guitars. And I'm like, it doesn't even sound like the guitar anymore. Mm -hmm. So I always just try to like, even when I'm just leveling things out like high mids, lows, I'm just mostly trying to go towards the center. So it's like a direct representation of this guitar. Yeah. And also, it's like when you play live, that's always an experience. It's always its own sound. You're not trying to be like, sounds, you know, consistent every time. Like, it might be the goal. And I say that for myself because that's what I, I'm trying to do for my band. But it's like, I don't know. Everybody's no, that's what and, I try to do. I just try to have one sound that I know, like, this is what I sound like. This is what I can do. And this is where I'll take it everywhere. But mm -hmm. yeah. so um, I use the two notes for uh, cab. Like, so instead of having to mic my um, amp, I'll have that go and do a speaker simulation out. So it's like every time I play, it's the same, you know, setup. It sounds like a Marshall 412, no matter where I play. Mm -hmm. They plug into that and it will sound like that. And then my amp that I bring on stage, I can bring, you know, a little one by 12 and it's just enough for me to hear. And then you don't even have to mic it because it's like a line out, right? Yeah, line out. And then so... To me, I think that's kind of cool, but it's also like other people that can be just like, oh, I'm good. That also takes away the uh, the the element of like a unexperienced sound guy or something trying to mic an amp because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, not everybody knows how to do it. I certainly don't know how to do it correctly, but, uh, you know, wherever you go, you're going to get a mic in a different spot. So your amp is going to sound different through speakers just based on how the mic is placed. So having a direct out like that is probably better. Before we go to uh, the effects on acoustic, which I think will be a little bit more fun uh than just the two <laughs> these are two ways you could input the guitar from xlr <laughs> let's uh just have you play a little bit and i'll just switch so people can hear the difference for sure let me know when you're ready all right go for it go for it There's a little bit of a difference, and then when in you know when we listen listen back, you'll be like, oh okay, I get it, I get it, okay, it's I get cool. it, I get whatever, nice nice stuff you got there. <laughs> so um, we will go into the um, effects stuff. So first, you have your looper pedal here, yeah, and then that's going into uh, Pelican Noiseworks uh, Half Horse Fuzz, and it's going into. The uh, Southampton utility knife. Now I would for... say the way that I normally would string these, because we got it backwards. We got the loop is yeah. the first thing. So if you run this, anybody out there who wants to experience with loopers and uh, effects, put the looper last because... So you can stack all your stuff. Exactly. If you want to have like a distortion track and then play clean over it, you can't have the distortion first because everything is going to record distorted onto the, the distortion pedal. So if we loop something, it'll be just straight. But then we're going to play with the fun little... Uh, Soundy sounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, 
yeah, and then we have the uh, just MXR Carbon Copy Mini and the Wampler Spring uh, Reverb, the Mini Faux Reverb. So just kind of get like a little bit like you're not you don't really use effects on acoustic when you play. You just you use the looper and then plug in. Yeah, I'll do the looper. And then if the board that I'm plugged into has some reverb, I'll try to put a little bit of that on there just to sound a little more uh, thicker. But yeah, uh, typically, yeah, just the straight guitar to the looper. OK, uh, do you want to show the looper off a little bit? So kind of like how sure thing, would... I'll give you the Jason Mraz experience. <laughs> yeah, how you use it for a gig. So. Normally it's just you and vocals, so you kind of maybe like just loop guitar and then solo or what? Yeah, so I'll show some of the stuff that it came preloaded with, and then I'll, I'll torture you with my own playing. But so I can do just straight drum beats like this, and unfortunately I hit the record button, so now I'm just recording nothing over this. But then you uh, you can go. And then eventually it's just going to loop back into that little guitar riff there. And I keep adding on top of it. But, uh, the, oh, there's the, <laughs> there it is, three minutes later. So you could do little stuff like that, which is cool. But what I like to do when I'm home alone and nobody's watching is put on the little loop uh, channel. So like this. this is like a little uh, salsa beat. <laughs> no, wait, I think this is like the, the jazz. Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just do a little stupid stuff on top of that, you know? Um, so it's kind of fun to entertain yourself, but in a live setting, I would never really use those because that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people want to sit there and watch you do that for very long. And if you're out there listening and you do that, stop. I'm not going to I'm not gonna justify you doing it. Just get a loop and just jam over it. Just learn more songs. <laughs> yeah, no, that thing's pretty cool. And also has an auxiliary in, so I guess you could have a separate, like... You could have two guitars, you could have a guitar and a mic if you wanted, yeah. uh, and you can also have two separate outputs, mm -hmm. so it's kind of cool, but I never take it that far. <laughs> you just go into in mono and out mono, yeah. Yeah, see, so you get all sorts of heat yeah. coming from this thing. <laughs> but the problem is, I also play a half step down, and this is all obviously keyed for standard, Yeah, so, you so gotta... I have to move everything up, which is weird, and it's all like very A heavy stuff, so if I'm trying to play an A, just doesn't sound good <laughs> compared to it so i never really get to play with those in front of people but you know if you uh if you're looking for a fun little tool to either use it pleasure or at work i like this pedal nice uh what about uh some of the looping capabilities that you use for like live performance so i'll give you a sample of something that i would loop uh at any show but it's cool because a lot of people do that like uh i forget it's like gabriel and rodrigo thing where uh oh you snap they like yeah smacking I don't do that. It's it's pretty tacky. But yeah. there are ways to implement that in a non-douchey way, and I'll show you how to do okay. that. Okay, that, that's what I need to know. Yeah, we need to learn how to not be douchey. So I gotta... Here we go. So this is just guitar one going in. So now it's going to have a couple extra guitars on top of that. You hear that one ring out, right? You can do that on top of everything if you want to. But uh, I like to add a little rhythm into it. So right now it's just playing. It's not recording anything. I can play. And that's not going to ruin it. Yeah. If I step on it again, it'll come back on and start recording. So I step on it and I have to have intention. It also helps if you step on it. 
did not step on it that time. Here we go. Snag got a little bit of like a snare sound, right? Yeah. And then uh, everybody likes to punch their guitar and they go to get their yeah, bass. Yeah. I'm going to show you something and I'm not going to show them something because yeah. I don't want them to know this. <laughs> Keep punching holes in your guitars, dummy. There you go. I'm below the lid off of it. You're kind of like hitting your thumb against the bridge. Yeah, so, okay, I guess we're going to let the secret out. Good. The pickup in most acoustic guitars... The tone jerks gotta learn the, learn the tricks. Gotta man. learn this. The pickup for most acoustic guitars is underneath the bridge. So it's not even like a mic usually, it's just a real pickup. And that's like one of the strongest parts of the guitar anyways, because it's holding all the strings. Right, so. so just tapping on it like that will give you a nice bassy sound yeah. without putting a hole in your guitar. Somebody out there is probably going, ah, it's gonna break your, your input or whatever, but it's a lot cheaper to replace and a pickup in an acoustic guitar than to get the entire face of your guitar redone. Yeah. So I guess you've learned the secret now, people out there. There you listen. go. But another fun thing you can do with the guitar input is this. We're recording. It's uh, the ambient stuff. Let us undo the scream. And that's another thing. If you if you play around this long enough, you'll learn you can undo recordings. So yeah, if yeah. you mess up a lead or something, just undo that shit. But you have to kind of stop between each element that you input because otherwise it's going to start doing yeah, things. And then you'll start doing like solo and stuff like that over it. Yeah, so I'd go like this. So that's how you would use, or how I would use the pedal. <laughs> nice, <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, that, that that totally makes it worth it. And if you're adding onto a show, like a cool intro, or even just like a not intermission kind of thing, but it's like you know, like in between songs, like kind of make it fun. Right. Yeah. Because I don't take, like I said, I don't take many breaks when I play. So if I do take a break, I still want there to be something going on instead of me having to walk off stage. So I'll give yeah. people a break from me singing and telling and jokes, just kind of building something. Yeah. And I'll just yeah, spend like five minutes max just doing a loop or something, and then nice. go back into a song. Cool. So um, I was thinking of other things that you could add to a board, and like modulation is something that's pretty popular. Like, do you ever think of like you know, I listen or, to Angels, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so we have the uh, Southampton. So we have the a chorus going. Oh yeah, there you hear eighties. Oh, we're gonna go eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds cool. Maybe I'm just like really bad. Totally no. Like, I mean, I'm effects like, sound cool, but be like, would that ever add to a show for you, or you'd be like, only for messing around? Because I don't, I don't know any songs that actually like would use it. 
Or would like, you, and I don't you, write songs. You with would never like play a song in mind. and like, oh, okay, well, have just like chorus and like maybe strum an acoustic, or strum the acoustic just like for, like instead of strumming, like sorry, in a rhythm, you just kind of hold them out for each like whole notes or something like that. I'm sure if I go back and like figure listen out, listen to my recording stuff because when I record stuff, like I work with people who are way smarter than me, and they'll put effects on like background guitars or oh, whatever. Okay. So if I wanted to like really thicken out the sound and have like a second guy playing acoustic guitar behind me or something, I'd probably have him use the same effects that were on there. But like I don't, I don't try to do that to myself because yeah. with just one guitar, I think it like muddies the water a little bit. You're like, eh, this isn't gonna like add too much. Yeah, nobody wants to hear me sing songs about my butt over that. <laughs> but I also, in my mind, I always thought like using an acoustic guitar through pedals would somehow break something like oh really like if you plug it in to a pedal like this it would like overheat the system like i don't know i'm just dumb <laughs> so it's really it's interesting to see that like it don't break nothing you could try it <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound cool actually it sounds cool but it would never work <laughs> <laughs> i'm a techno cowboy <laughs> A common one would be reverb. This is a spring reverb. I don't know if that would work. Yeah, see, so reverb well. is what I use on. Yeah, like so. Things, Maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. Yeah, I always go light on it, but I mean, reverb is like salt. Everybody has their limit, you know? Yeah, it's like. Some people love to just open the cap and just. <laughs> <laughs> just a salt mountain. But yeah, that one's easy. Or delay is, I don't know. To me, I'm like delay and reverb boys go hand in hand. It's like salt and pepper. See, and that's like lead stuff. That's like if you're going to play notes compared to chords, yeah. I feel like. Maybe not so much the reverb. Reverb sounds really good with the, you know, chords and stuff, but like delay, like. <laughs> sounds weird, but if you go. Sounds like you're in an amphitheater or something. <laughs> One, one, one that I don't think will sound good is fuzz, but I think we should do fuzz with acoustic guitar because why the hell not? Absolutely. I think maybe that doesn't work, but it's a cool. Idea. It's it's fun. <laughs> After experimenting, I think I understand more why acoustic guitars and electric guitars are different. You get the tone of an acoustic guitar not just through how the guitar is built or how guitar is shaped or whatever. It's also kind of how you play it. You know, you can have those long open chords where you play all the strings and you hear all the strings, or you can yeah. do like just the whatever. And everybody with a guitar can do that. But with the with the acoustic guitar compared to an electric guitar you're gonna have less like electronic like leveling i feel like so mm -hmm. you know you really get the different like you get a loud or you get a low or you get a you can get the palm mute or you can get the non-palm mute and that's yeah. kind of like where the tone of an acoustic guitar comes. and even like playing the guitar you know even just tapping on the guitar makes a difference even just like say um if you were you know like you kind of wear you wearing some stuff on your wrist could affect your playing and that could hit the totally. I use these rubber wristbands not just to make me look awesome, but I use them as a stopper instead yeah. of using the, my my hand meat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, you know, a big thing with acoustic guitar. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I needed to play my acoustic more. I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's kind of fun to throw some pedals at you, but let's... Uh... Yeah, for me, reverb, 
maybe a little delay, some chorus, a little echoey stuff. That's what that works best on guitars, just, like acoustic guitars, but like any kind of distortion or fuzz or whatever, it takes you right out. And I've seen people do it live too, like where mm -hmm. they have it dialed into where it's like, it's not a weird sound. Like it sounds like an, a distorted acoustic guitar, yeah. but it's just like, it takes you way out to see a guy like playing a cowboy guitar, making Metallica sounds. Yeah. You're like, mm. like Johnny Cash never did it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my rule. All right. Let's get into another topic. What do you say? Let's do it. So uh, put the guitars away. We're, we're here. We're going to chop it up. So this is kind of a loose one. I kind of want to just pick your brain. Um, you are learning a lot of, of uh, songs and to cover for your gigs and stuff like that. But you're also writing songs. You're working on an album. Um, how do you like, are you still learning new music? Like, are you teaching yourself new songs for your gigs? Are you kind of maybe like I have my 20 or whatever and you just keep it that way and you tr try you're trying to add on your own originals or you just like kind of whatever like is inspiring you like oh I like that song I want to learn it like to me I'm like I very very rarely ever want to learn a song <laughs> we do it for the band if we have a gig where it's like 80s night you're doing pop punk night learn a pop punk emo cover I'm like like, I don't need to cover that. I write that shit. <laughs> yeah, which is like you can play mostly originals and learn three or four pop punk songs. Cool. Pop three or four 80s songs, dooming your pop punk playing without a pilot style. Let's learn a Cure cover. And yeah, and they're <laughs> they're fun. And it's cool to, you know, when I learn a cover, because I'm like, oh, you can kind of get a different feel and maybe like you're hitting different vocal melodies that you wouldn't normally do. You're, you're playing different chords than you normally would, different structures. So how, I mean, for you, you're kind of, not just in your bedroom doing it you're out there playing the whole you know my my music this cover i'm making my own way of this uh, and so i don't know i wanted to pick your brain loose topic i didn't announce it great but let's just bat that and ball early on loose topic no i think kind of uh my approach to it is the same way that many of us just kind of come up learning music it's mm -hmm. like we all started playing guitar learning other people's songs anyway right like I wasn't, I've never had lessons and I've never done any of that stuff. Like I literally, one of the Blink-182 students, you know, like yeah, everybody yeah. just learns Enema and then they learn a Green Day album. Learning that You yeah, kind of like tabs, level up yeah. through your pop punkness. But um, I feel like that mentality is kind of like carried through to everything. Like I still have to do covers and stuff for like the, the bar gigs. So I do as much that I I think I like push it to the limit, really. Like a lot of people push it to the limit. A lot of people have like a standardized <laughs> list yeah. that uh, everybody kind of plays the same songs off of. And I'm guilty of playing a few of those songs, but I try to steer away from that stuff because there's still like good music out there that people like and maybe forgot about, you know? So uh, most of the stuff that I learn is stuff that I've got interest in. I never try to just be like, like everybody everywhere plays No Diggity. I don't know that song. Don't yeah. care to know that song. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to put that time into it. But same time, you know, maybe people know a random like B-side Green Day song or something, but they just nobody plays it, so it kind of falls to the background. Yeah. I like those songs. So I'll bring that kind of stuff up as like my covers. And uh this I don't typically learn a song if I'm not going to play it live, you know, like mm -hmm. so I don't worry about what's like the flavor of the week or whatever, you know, people are recommending out there. I just kind of if I want to listen to a song, I'll most likely have listened to it a thousand times anyway. So I just learn it. Yeah. And then I just throw it into the set list and uh, I treat the cover gigs somewhat like original gigs. You know, I try to string songs together that, you know, I can play this one ends in G, this one starts in G. So I yeah. just string them together like a live original band would. 
but then so I you, give it my you, own you spin. St- you still make it like a set, not just like I'm just plowing through songs. Yeah, and I don't have a set list either, but I definitely yeah. try to like tell a little bit of story with the, the stuff that I do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, when I'm learning stuff, I just pick songs that I like and I obviously don't go for the weird like punk stuff that I don't think anybody's going to know. When You're not going to go like deep, deep, obscure cuts. Yeah, if I'm going to learn a song, unless it's like a song that like, you know, has influenced me like down to my core. There's a few songs that I play for myself that I don't play shows because nobody's going to know them. Fuck them. But like, yeah. I loved that song, so I learned it. But most of the stuff, like if I'm going to like sit down and learn a song, it's something that I hope people will recognize, maybe not know, but they'll go, oh, I know that band or whatever. And uh, something that entertains myself because I'm ultimately going to be the one that plays it a thousand times. They're going to hear it once. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like it, give me three more minutes and I'll play a song you do know. You know? Yeah. But uh, I feel like because I never had lessons and I've never uh, sat down and really tried to learn that side of music, my musicology comes from learning other people's music and uh, experimenting with the chords that they use and stuff like that. So when I do uh, cover gigs or whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm just learning the whole way and then that kind of influences what i'm writing but not so much because i try not to be so like influenced like i don't want people to unfortunately you're always going to be able to be related to somebody else and for me it's always blink and green day which is cool because that's what i want to be you you know like like whatever but uh i don't sit down and go like well what would blink 182 do you know like it's just really very much my personality showing Mm -hmm. through stuff yeah are you ever I don't know, do, like, maybe this is one thing because you're still in control of a lot of what you do, but I'm like, would you ever, like, play songs that you know you don't like, but they get a good crowd response? I've I'm done like, it. I've definitely done it. Like, when I was like, younger oh, I, in the scene, yeah. Like, oh, it's I'm playing a Friday night. I got a lot, a lot of walk-ins. I kind of want them to stick around. I'm going to bust out these ones. I'm going to bust out the, you know, Bruno Mars or the Jason Mraz or whatever. It's like, you know. Uh, yeah, there have been a few songs that have been, like, you know, uh, what, are, what, are, what are some of those bad boys? Bruno Mars is one of them. You nailed it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Bruno Mars isn't so popular anymore. So I like Bruno Mars. <laughs> yeah, He's no, got like some if, good I, jams. if I were to bust that song out again, I'm sure people in the bar would like, you know, be like, oh, it's Bruno Mars. But like when I learned uh, it was Marry You by Bruno Mars, that song was still on the radio. Yeah. You know, and then uh, it was kind of like the, this song was kind of the turning point for me where it was like, yeah, it was hot for a little while, but just like every other song, like eventually something else replaces it. And what do I want to do? Do I want to be chasing that, a constant repeating that cycle of like songs that bum me out and I have to learn a new one like 15 minutes later because yeah. there's a remix of it or something? Or would I rather like, you know, maybe dig into my own well of personal knowledge and be like, you know, that song has been around for like 15 years and people still know it, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's like, that's more what I'm interested in. Maybe like more the classic rock. Classics, yeah. <laughs> classic rock. Like Green Day's classic rock. Green Day, Blink, it. they're all classic rock now. 25 years. Yeah. Um, no, that, that, yeah, that's one thing I'm like, okay, sometimes like we will learn covers and stuff like that, ironically, just to throw them in. Cause I'm like, and people, when they hear them, they're like, oh shit. Cause they know that song like, we cover, um, you're the one that I want from Greece, the movie. Um, and then we do, um, Phil Collins. We, you know, it's like a Supremes song that he did and we do a cover of that. And, you know, we, we very rarely will cover because it's like in our genre, we're not going to like do Green Day or Sum 41 or Blink or something like that just because we get it, you guys. <laughs> <It's black. laughs> I don't know. I, and this but may sound again, a little pretentious. Like I don't, when I learn a song, I don't consider myself like covering it. I consider it 
like becoming a part of my set and I play it my style, yeah, my no, way. It sounds cool. like me, even though like you could be like, yeah, that sounds really similar to how they play it. Like if you were to take me playing a song and like a recorded live version of the band playing a song or even just like the recorded version of the CD, they're going to be starkly different. So like, I don't even try to fake it to the people where I'm like, this is a cover where I'm trying to sound like so-and-so. Like right. everything I do is going to sound like me throughout whatever. So uh, I just try to play stuff that people recognize. Like I don't, I don't, think of this cover i just think of like as recognizable song so like i do a lot of like commercial jingles or like movie theme songs yeah just weird shit that like i know people will recognize but i also think maybe other bands aren't already doing because i feel like that's kind of the circle that my level of musician yeah especially people are a lot at. Of, like everybody's yeah. kind of playing the same stuff anyway and, and if, if you're gonna break through that mm -hmm. you the only way to do that is through like just being yourself like and if people are going to bars in that you know say heavy areas are pb um so the beach towns and downtown san diego are, are big for having um a lot of like acoustic artists solo artists coming down there and playing for live music for the live music ambience and it seems kind of like you don't want to see the same shit it also seems like the guys who are playing the acoustic stuff in my circuit if they have a big following they already had that fault like they were just friends like it's mostly just friends coming out to support their friends which is awesome mm -hmm. and great you need to have like support of your friends but there's not really like a scene to build off of playing everybody else's stuff yeah you know so like if, if the musician is interchangeable then i feel like there should be an interchangeable crowd but there's not those people are just kind of coming out to support their friends i want to steal people away from them and i want to like build an audience so the only way to do that is to kind of stick out you know yeah so you'd be like oh that guy played these you know you know maybe covers of alkaline trio and green day and some if you play on a on original night you don't have to worry about the other band playing your song right yeah but if you play four singer songwriter acoustic guys back to back like you give everybody an hour set and you just let them play covers or originals most of them are going to go to covers and you're going to be watching them watch the other guy and like ticking off songs in their head like, fuck, he just played can't Tennessee Whiskey. He yeah. just played Sweet Home Alabama. I'm just like, there's can't, knocking songs off their Can't do the Google Dolls tonight. <laughs> it's the same thing in the DJ world, right? Like if you walk in as a DJ and you're playing stuff that was already in the house mix, people yeah. have probably A, already heard that song before. B, they're not going to differentiate you from the house mix, which is like 98% of DJs. But yeah. uh there's the you, same problem yeah. in the acoustic world and i'm not afraid to admit that like everybody's just kind of like a playlist at this point so i'm just trying to be unique in your own thing myself yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean what's your approach to i mean how often do you learn new songs i i'm finding myself like the last time i'm relearning covers that we did years ago so we can play them now just to have those in our bag like just in stick or whatever yeah that or like you know it's like oh yeah we used to play that with like you know our old drummer and then with you know brian now it's like oh we never played that why don't we it's just because like we you know you get in your different you're in different mindset to where like maybe at that time we were like stagnant with writing songs or we were over our, our originals and we just like ah, let's play some covers and stuff like that and it was fun to bring those out because for an originals band playing covers they can be really fun because you know you play a couple of those and then people who are in the bar have never seen you before can get into it if you do a good job of it and if you can make it maybe your own thing and then they catch on by the chorus that like oh that's that song it's kind of fun to see that reaction like we cover hot water music but we do that and i don't sound like chuck reagan at all and we play those songs and people are like oh you did your own thing with it that's a lot of fun it's cool it's like 
and people are like, I kind of liked your version a little bit better. It's more pop punk and upbeat and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, hey, was it, I don't think it's better, but it's cool that we did that. And that's only one of the main reasons why we do it. It's just to kind of jab the crowd. I'm like, hey, pay attention to us. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to get attention is to play but, a cover. But yeah, you should always try to do it in your own way, unless you're just going to be a tribute act. You know, the only time I think that it's appropriate to like note for note repeat a song is if you're a tribute. If you're a tribute, you know, yeah. and. Uh, my band is working on doing, uh, I'll let you listeners in on a little secret. We're working on covering Dookie. We're going to do Dookie song by song, cover to cover. Yeah. Um, and even now, like we're not completely done working on it yet, but I would say it sounds like 85% like yeah. a tribute band, but still there's like that 15% that like, we just cannot avoid like sounding like us, you yeah. know? So, and I don't try to shy away from that. We're not trying to be a tribute act. We're just, you know, learning some songs, but uh, yeah, if you want to be like, if you want to take somebody else's music and make your, make that your meat and potatoes, like I'm making my money off these guys' songs, you owe them that much to be like, I've learned their song the way they play it. Yeah. Me, I'm just, you know, I play covers because that's what bars will hire you for. If I could just play all original shows, you'd see four hours of original music. But, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, bar managers who don't even listen to songs or music or the guy playing in their bar think that everybody would just rather hear no diggity on repeat yeah <laughs> <laughs> um how do you like or, or how often do you add like a new song to your set list let's it, say if like oh i'm today's my because you're kind of uh i want to say you know you're self-employed you're you control your own destiny you're not like going in i'm like it's wednesday gotta go at 9 30 like okay so like do you like really regiment your days of like okay these are booking email hours these are going out to play hours today you're coming here listen to my drunk ass talk yeah. hey, let's plug up acoustic to pedals bro let's do it yeah, and you're like all right well i can spend a couple hours doing that yeah. <laughs> or like are you like teaching yourself songs or do you I don't, i'm like i guess i'm kind of like picking your brain i'm like i never learn new songs i have no real go get them attitude to pick up a, my guitar to learn a cover i'm like what makes you do that how often do you do that when how do you just decide because there's so many songs that you like you have a very big um, musical i don't know like i don't know field of vision that you're like i'm i like all this stuff so how do you narrow it down when do you narrow it down how much is too well, much you know me like i'm a i'm a i'm like a i'm opposite ends of the spectrum at the same time like i'm a very obsessive add person like, yeah yeah uh i get very very like into something i zone in on it and then like a couple weeks later I'm over it and I go on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah. But uh, with music, it's not that way. Like I've just, it's always been my thing where it's like, I, if you put a guitar in my hand, I'll diddle and I'll do things. Like, it's not like if you put a pencil in my hand, I'm going to write you a story or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm feeling it that day, I'll do that. But like music is never a thing where I'm like, I don't want to do it or I don't want to like do something with it. Now, some days I want to do original, someday I want to do uh cover, but I don't try to like like have a solid concrete like method when it comes to music because i feel like if you start doing that you put yourself in a box and then you start like for some people being in a box is good that's how they you know build their following they build their sound their brand whatever i'm not trying to have that like i'm not trying to be a personality or a this or that like i'm just literally doing it because there's nothing else i can do <laughs> yeah so i don't think of it that way i just uh if i want to learn a song I go out and learn it and some days I'll sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to work on covers and I'll play covers for like 15 minutes and then I'll get struck with like 
a cool chord and be like, oh, I'm going to work on that. And yeah, then it's yeah. eight hours of an original song I'm working on now. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't have so much of a system. I feel like when I'm proto BJ, like when I am what I, I, I I'm kind of tacky in the way that like I write down goals and I do like, uh, like I'll brick down like a calendar and do like yeah. a step-by-step -step thing. And I, I feel like if, if there was a perfect me, it would be me that follows the schedules that I write, but I never follow those schedules. <laughs> like I write them and then I just feel guilty all week because I didn't do it. But I feel like if, if I were to the get a supervisor, more, BJ and the, <laughs> yeah, you knew me as an employee. I'm a terrible yeah. employee. You should see me as a boss. Yeah. <laughs> Even worse. And now I'm both for myself. Yeah, like, no, nah, man, it's cool. Come in late. I'll take care of it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I try to, I try to, I try to always just change things up because there's, until I find the way that, you know, I feel yeah. is the right way. I just do all the ways. But uh, yeah, so I will I will tell myself, like, there's time to do this, do that. And I try to stick to it. And most of the time I do. But as far as, like, do I have to learn, like, a certain amount of new songs a day or a month or whatever? And when I was filling three hours, yeah. for me, it was always, like, the gig kind of defined what I was doing. When I was playing little original shows, didn't fucking matter. We just wrote songs about girls and butts, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and if we played a, a cover, it was because it made one of us laugh or we thought it would make the audience laugh yeah. or it was Blink-182. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So coming into this like new kind of like, it's a total shift going from like an original punk band to like the singer songwriter acoustic guy type. And I've tried to like bring as much of it over as I can, like the punk side, but there is still that element of like, okay, you're playing covers. For myself, I tried to fill three hours first. I didn't worry about like what I was playing. I was just like, give me it's three be, hours of music. Great, yep. And then I started working out the songs that I could tell like, A, people did not like or didn't recognize enough to care about or whatever and trying to put more songs in. Not necessarily like thinking like, this is going to get them, but like just change it out. Like if I know that song's kind of a dud, I'll play a different one. How are you, uh, is it like, I, how are you kind of gauging what sticks? And like, you know, being the only person up there, are you gauging a lot of crowd response? So they're just like, people are being like, all right, let's go to the next bar, bro. I've gotten or, really or, bad or, about or like, gotten, like not thinking about what I'm playing or when I'm playing it and just really watching the audience, uh -huh. which I guess isn't like bad, but um, it can be kind of, because sometimes I'll be playing a song and feel completely detached from the music. And just looking at the people in the back of the house, like, okay, they're playing Jenga right now. Like, like what are they doing? What, pay attention. But during the next song, I'll see those same people, like, look over and start singing, you know? And uh, for me, it was always like, again, I'm not trying to find songs that people like, because I know that there are people who like the stuff I like, you know? And maybe not everybody out there is, like, I like very niche music, but, like, stuff like Weezer, Sublime, Blink, Green Day, those are all going to be songs people can recognize, and you're going to see more reaction from those songs. Yeah. Whereas if I play like a Alkaline Trio song, you might find every once in a while somebody's like, hey, Alkaline Trio. Hey, that's my jam, yeah. And I used to make sure that there was like six Alkaline Trio songs in every set, you know, and it was that's, partially yeah. because those were just the songs that I'd already learned and like I needed to fill three hours with. And one of your bands you like and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I will still put them in there and I still have them on my like request list. But now that I've fine-tuned the set a little more, I've got more stuff that people will recognize and that I don't feel like a sellout for playing. And Alkaline Trio is now just like an option. You know, it's like a, a satellite song. Mm -hmm. I still play it at home every day, but if I don't get to play Every Thug Needs a Lady in front of a crowd, I don't cry. Yeah. What about, um, how are you, are you listening to like the radio or Spotify playlist to find the songs that you're like, okay, 
I know we talked about like, you know, like, oh, I want to play songs that you already like, but I'm like, um, maybe the ones that you know, I'm like, okay, fuck, I, I should throw a banger for other people, but not for me. Or if you like playing a certain club, because I know playing like Pacific Beach is different than playing um, downtown. It's different than playing Chula Vista. There's like little pockets in San Diego of different types of music. And maybe you're playing. Right. You go to OB, you're going to hear white boy reggae. That's you, just what you're going to hear. Yeah. <laughs> go, go to OB. That's what, yeah, that's a big one too. Um, and you play down there, you play East County sometimes. I'm like, are you really changing your set for the bar? Be like, okay, oh, I'm playing here next month. And I know OB is a very reggae heavy thing. I'm going to learn more Sublime. I'm going to learn more Bob Marley. Are you like finding out what are the hits that they're playing? Or are you kind of just like, I already kind of can gauge that. And I, this is, these are songs that are okay for me. Yeah. I try to have a song for every situation. I like prefer to not be one thing or the other. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's not like an overnight thing and it definitely wasn't me in the beginning, but I feel like now that I've kind of worked out songs that are kind of like just universal, recognizable, easy to digest songs, (laughs) it doesn't really matter what you're playing as long as, you know, you can get a couple people into it. So I do have like, if I'm in OB, I'm going to play a couple sublime songs, maybe closer to the beginning, but Uh I'm still going to play Johnny Cash and I'm still going to play, you know, like ice cube and stuff like that because people aren't so one-minded anymore and it it used to be that way it used to be like this club is specifically this and you see a few dinosaur clubs holding on that mentality brick by brick uh (laughs) you have a great venue and you're not filling it with everybody who could be there you just want metal or you want rock and that's fine that's cool but if you show me a person who's like i only listen to metal you can find those guys yeah, but nowadays you'll have like a dude that like wears a like Slayer, Megadeth, or whatever shirt, and can still talk to you about the Lumineers, you know? Because like yeah. people just kind of like now through Pandora and a lot of these like streaming sites that like if you're not paying for it specifically to go out and hear what you want to hear, you're gonna be put into a playlist where you're gonna hear all sorts of shit, you know? Or it's like um, you know through Spotify and stuff like that, it's easy to listen to whatever you want because like you know uh, I pay for Spotify and uh, you can just. I'm going to listen to this today. I feel like also with Spotify, I've noticed myself not feeling as guilty listening to things. Like when I was a kid, if I go to like, you know, FYE or uh, Suncoast Music, Uh the last two music stores I could ever think of, I would go in and like, I'd be in the CD section. I'd be afraid to go to like the pop section or like the Latin or the world or the whatever section, like specifically because like, I would feel like there was judging eyes, even though there's like nobody in the store. I just feel like there's like a shame in like breaking your, your norm, I guess, until you've done it enough where you're like, fuck it, I don't care. And then even just like, you know, dipping your foot. I'm like, oh, I like that one song. You don't want to be the guy wearing a misfit shirt, picking up like a Britney album going like, oh, what's this sound like? You know? (laughs) But whereas a Spotify, like nobody can see what you're listening to unless like you legit like share your playlist with people. So you might see a lot more like, yeah, some of you expect to listen to one thing, listening to kind of everything. Yeah. So I feel like people have evolved a little bit, not so much where it's like, everybody should play everything. <laughs> Genres are dead. But it, it's it's becoming less of a thing, which is which is cool. Like people are less genre specific because I'm like, oh, I like punk. Well, you like pop punk, though. That's shittier than this type of punk. And you're always going to find whatever. that one asshole who wants to hear what they want to hear. And whatever you play is not good until you play what they want to hear. I don't play for those people. Yeah, <laughs> I don't and care most, about those Most people. of those people aren't like, you know, as fun anyways. I had a dude screaming at me one time because I didn't play Steel Panther, but I kept making jabs about it because he was like, do you know any Steel Panther? I was like, nah, man, I'm sorry. And he's like, I play the song, Steel Panther. All right, here's a Steel Panther song. And then I played Sublime. 
I, I, and he literally came up in my face was like you're a jerk off fuck you like shaking his fist in my face i'm like number one where the fuck is security number two like <laughs> where, do you think that's gonna make me like put down my shit and learn a steel panther song for you like no no thank yeah, you yeah yeah like, that's that's always a good one it's like oh i'll play this one i'm like oh we're playing that one next and then you play what something completely play an original song and i'm just like what what the fuck man <laughs> be like well that song was inspired by <laughs> that's cool all right well we can r- wrap this one up yeah i just wanted to you know you know, pick your brain a little bit about covers and learning, you know, maybe that whole, you know, balance of original music and learning covers for, I mean. Short answer, yes. Learn covers, work on shit you want to hear. It's going to only make your original stuff better yeah. and easier to write. And also, if you're in a position where you need to play covers for a living, don't be afraid to play shit you like, but just think about what people will know. You know, like, you don't have to be the guy that's going to influence the world with your music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can still, maybe because everybody's playing Green Day, learn a Green Day song, but don't learn the Green Day song everybody's playing. Yeah, they have a huge catalog. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. That's good. good little little tip for you there. All right, uh, we're going to wrap this one out. So thank you, BJ. Uh, thank you so much for coming back on your episode number two and your episode number 89. So um, where can people find you online? I would like to direct you first to www.mannequinvanityrecords.com slash BJ. That's like the official site. Mm -hmm. I'm too poor for my own website, so I just kind of (laughs) fishtail off my uh, label. But that's where I put all the information as far as like upcoming shows or uh, releases. We're going to be putting out a re-release of CV Soundtrack, my first album, specifically there. So go there first. Other than that, I'm very active on social media. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Pornhub, J-Date, Black People Meet, Bumble, Grinder, <laughs> Plenty of Fish, all that. Just look up BJ Jesbera. I'm the only one. There you go. Um, you're also Spotify, yes. iTunes, and... Uh, all that stuff. Like, yeah. Google Play, uh, Apple Music. Yeah. Uh, so you can... Yeah. LimeWire. Yeah, yeah, check them out. You know, get, uh, get some of those tunage, uh, and then you know, keep an ear out for, I guess, the new album. You're, you're, the wheels are turning again. You're going to get that cranked out. We're going to put out a trail of breadcrumbs leading to a big mess at the end. So <laughs> yeah, be, beware. Let's follow the breadcrumbs. So just want to say thank you guys for tuning in to the show. And if you guys like what you hear, you guys can follow along on social medias at Facebook. Just uh, search the Tone Jerks and we got a group. You can join it. BJ, you're not in there. You should join. <laughs> I'm in there. What are you talking about? Now you're like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Anyways, um, <laughs> besides Facebook, we're on Instagram at the Tone Jerks. You guys can follow along. Uh, also, be sure to um, check out Sign Sound Rise Pro on Instagram. So at Soundrise Pro. And uh, man, I am butchering their name. <laughs> SoundrisePro.com and use that promo code Jerks for 15% off. And if you guys uh, really like what you hear, you guys can help support the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. But if you guys double down, you guys get an extra episode for just two bucks a month. And, uh, you know, we wanted to give you guys a huge shout out just for, uh, you know, supporting the show. So I got a list and I'm reading it this time. I got a listy list. I'm going to check check it twice. So uh, big thanks to Aaron Taylor, Abe Newman, Adam Rohr from the Let Him Hear podcast, Alvaro Vera Montes, Andrew Walsh. I should probably say it like Kyle does. Brett Alexander, Co Schneider from the Flippin' Flavor podcast, Colin Smith, Doug Chris, Doug King, and Doug again. Digger from Fat Foot Effects. 
Uh, Jamie Davis, Jason Fuzzmonger, Jim Bowers, Johnny Ray, Joseph from Like My Pedals, Kevin Equitz from Equitz Guitars, Leon from Pelican Noiseworks. We uh, used his uh, half horse today. Uh, Bruce Banana, Matt Quine from the Fret Talk podcast, Michael Newman, uh, you heard his music at the intro and outro of this episode, uh, Nicholas Ogburn, Brian Nutter from Nutter Guitars, Sean Arbo from Gun Street Wiring Shop, Sean Fahey, Steve Mike from Hardly Human, Stephen Conradi, and Will Lehew from the Just Surprise Me podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, BJ. That was a mouthful. We'll see ya. BJ and Mouthful <laughs> should never be said in the same sentence. Hey now. Hold on, I want to try something though. Hey Alexa, play BJ Jesbera. <laughs>